Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson. Papa, can you tell me a story? Do you really want me to tell you a story? (laughs) Well, you go get your brother and your sisters and I will tell you a story. Welcome to Devotions with Dr. Papa, where we look into the written word, which reveals to us the living word, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. Grab your Bibles and let's turn to Daniel chapter 2, and we'll look into a lesson that I've called Dreams in the Night. Now, every physician has patients who have night terrors, nightmares, and fortunately, most of these patients can be treated with a medication called Prazosin. You can prescribe this medicine, and for most patients who have night terrors, that medication will eliminate their nightmares. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar had an unsettling dream. In Daniel chapter 2, the Bible says that in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, the king had dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. So he had insomnia. Now, he didn't have a family doctor. Shame on King Nebuchadnezzar, because everybody should have a family doctor. So who did he call? Well, not a family doctor. He called the sorcerers. He called the magicians. Verse 2 tells us that the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans, to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. Well, I think the king was probably an intimidating and fearsome guy. And they probably stood before him very intimidated. Well, then in verse 3, the king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. And in verse 4, The Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. This was their standard response to the king, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants and we will declare the interpretation. But then in verse 5, the king throws them a a serious curveball and he replies to the Chaldeans, the command from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream, and its interpretation. You will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be made a rubbish heap. Now, how, how in the world are they supposed to know the dream if even the king can't remember the dream in order to tell them the dream? How can they give its interpretation if they don't know the dream itself? So this is an impossible task. And then in verse 6, the king says, But if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and a reward and great honor. Therefore, declare to me the dream and its interpretation. (laughs) Well, these guys are between a rock and a hard place. So they answered a second time and said, Let the king tell the dream to his servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied, I know for certain that you are bargaining for time, inasmuch as you have seen that the command from me is firm. Now, I suspect 
that this king already had suspicions about his magicians and conjurers and sorcerers and Chaldeans. I suspect that he already had an issue with these guys. And somehow he suspected that they weren't really as gifted as they made out to be. And that's part of what's going on behind the scenes here. And he says to them, if you do not make known the dream, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed together to speak lying and corrupt words before me until the situation is changed. See, I think they'd already been speaking lying and corrupt words to him. They had been deceptive and he already knew it. Therefore, tell me the dream that I may know that you can declare to me its interpretation. Now, in verse 10, these guys set the standard for impossibility. So here's what they said. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who could declare the matter for the king inasmuch as no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician, conjurer, or Chaldean. So there you go. They set the standard. No man on earth can declare this matter. No one can declare the matter except, in verse 11, God's whose dwelling is not with mortal flesh. There you go. These guys understand it, and they have set the standard. Now, the stage is set for God to display His glory, His wisdom, and His power. But, can He find a man in Babylon, who will not reach out and touch his glory and claim it for himself, who will not become boastful, proud, or arrogant with the hidden knowledge revealed to him and to no one else. Is there such a man in pagan Babylon? Well, hold your horses because the story is not done. In verse 12, the Bible says, because of this, the, the king became indignant and furious and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. Well, guess who's also one of the wise men now? <laughs> Daniel and his three Hebrew friends. So the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain and they looked for Daniel and his friends in order to kill them. So Daniel, in verse 14, replied with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He said to Arioch, the king's commander, he said, well, slow down there, pilgrim. What's got you so all fired up in a big hurry today? What kind of burrs under your saddle today? Well, I'm sure it didn't sound quite like that. It was probably in some kind of Hebrew or Aramaic dialect rather than a southern Texas drawl. But anyway, he responded with discretion and discernment. And he said, for what reason is the, the decree from the king so urgent? 
and then Ariok fills him in. So then, in verse 16, Daniel goes in and requests of the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. Now, obviously, Daniel had some kind of influence with the king because he was able to go in, obtain an audience with the king, and beg for a little bit of time so that he and his friends could do what? Well, the Bible says that Daniel went to his house and formed his friends and that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. What does that mean, requesting compassion from the God of heaven? I'll tell you what it means. They went in and fasted and prayed. Now, the Bible doesn't say if this went on for a day or two days or three days, but the Bible does say in verse 19, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Now, if I was the writer of this, it would have been a lot more spectacular than this. I would have said, in a supernatural display of God's power, God revealed to Daniel in a night vision. No, the Bible doesn't do that. It just very simply says, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Very simply put. And then the Bible says that Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And brothers and sisters, from verse 20 all the way down to verse 23, you need to memorize those, those verses. It's one of the greatest prayers of praise and thanksgiving and a declaration of God's authority, sovereignty, and power that exists anywhere in the Bible. And it's three verses that you just need to get in your heart and be able to pray to the Lord God Almighty anytime you're on your knees praying. Now listen to what he says. Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever. For wisdom and power belong to Him. It is He who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is He who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with Him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you, for you have made known to us the King's matter. Do you see the, the, the heart of praise in this man? Do you see the heart of thanksgiving? Do you see that there's no element of boastfulness or pride that he has now received this hidden knowledge that none of the Chaldeans or the conjurers or the sorcerers or the magicians possessed? Do you see the heart of humility that's in this man, Daniel? He's a, he's a man set apart. He's a sanctified Man, He's different qualitatively from everybody around him. And so in verse 24, he goes into the king. And he, he well, I'm sorry, he goes into Ariok, uh, who the king had destroy, appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. And he went and spoke to him as follows. Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. 
Take me into the king's presence, and I will declare the interpretation to the king. Now, why would he say, don't destroy all the wise men? Weren't these guys his enemies? Weren't these the guys that sought to kill him all throughout his life? You see, they were diametrically opposed in their world view. These men, uh, they, they worshipped a different god. Their gods were polar opposites. Their worldviews were antithetical. And these men would later try to kill him. Daniel didn't hate his enemies. He had compassion for them. Long before Jesus preached in the Sermon on the Mount to love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you, Daniel was already practicing this in his heart. What a man. What an amazing, sanctified man. Well, then in verse 27 to 30, um, Daniel makes known the matter. Daniel answers before the king and said, As for the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. This was your dream and the vision in your mind while on your bed. As for you, O king, while on your bed, your thoughts turn to what would take place in the future. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what will take place. But as for me... This mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than any other living man, but for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king, and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. You see, he says here, neither wise men nor conjurers. In other words, human wisdom is insufficient for the interpretation of your dream. And then he goes on to say that there is a true God in heaven who reveals mysteries. In other words, King, there's divine wisdom out there that you know nothing about. And then he says, but as for me, he said, King, I'm just the messenger. There's no inherent wisdom in me that I possess different from other men. He says, I am just the messenger. And now we see why God has chosen Daniel. Daniel deflected all personal praise, all personal recognition. There was no I statement at all. He didn't say, O king, I now can give you the answer to your dream. I now possess hidden wisdom and knowledge that none of these other magicians possess. There was none of that I statement. And more than that, he didn't low rate or diss the magicians. He only referenced the power of the one true God in heaven. Now, I want to stop there and I want to go back in time and I want to reference a story that I shared with you some months back. And I want to remind you of the NBA championship game when the Chicago Bulls played and Michael Jordan first shot six three-pointers in a single game. And the the commentators just went wild. I remember seeing that game. And of course, I in my living room, I went wild because nobody had ever done that before. 
And after the game, a newspaper, uh, I'm sorry, a, a news reporter came to Michael Jordan and said to him, how could one man have so much luck? And at that point, Michael Jordan put his hand on the man's face and stopped him. And he said, no luck. He said, preparation. He said, greatness comes when preparation meets opportunity. And I hope you remember me sharing this with you some months back, because that statement has stuck with me forever. And I want you to understand that Daniel's greatness came because of his preparation. Daniel never knew when his opportunities to serve God with humility would come. In fact, the three great opportunities in Daniel's life were spread over the entirety of his life. They were separated by many years. But Daniel was always prepared. And when the opportunities presented themselves, he was prepared and he shone brightly. He served with humility. And we know Daniel because of his preparation. Now, what do we know about Daniel? Well, first we know that Daniel was a very disciplined young Hebrew man and that the discipline continued over the entirety of his life. We know that he was disciplined in his diet because that was the first issue of his life. The, the issue of eating water, uh, drinking water and, and eating vegetables in order to maintain a diet that was acceptable to God. We know that he prayed three times a day towards Jerusalem because that was the, the third great opportunity of his life. And we know that he was humble in heart. Otherwise, God would not have chosen him for this opportunity with King Nebuchadnezzar. And we know from this prayer that he prayed that he was a thankful worshiper. Now, God told the Hebrews many times that they worshiped him with lip service, but their hearts were far away. And you know, you and I have to always be examining our hearts that we not become like the Israelites who worshiped with lip service while our hearts are far away. Daniel was not that man. Daniel was a man who was a thankful worshiper, who was humble in heart, and who worshiped God in sincerity and in truth. The Bible tells us that God seeks those who worship Him in, in, uh, in truth and in integrity of heart. Daniel did not know when the opportunities would present any more than you or I do. But he was prepared. He was prepared by the daily disciplines and he was prepared by his fully devoted heart attitudes. His three main opportunities were spread out over the entirety of his life. The last opportunity, which was interpreting the handwriting on the wall, happened probably when he was in his 80s. But when that opportunity came, Daniel was prepared. Are you practicing the daily disciplines of abiding in the Word, abiding in prayer, Worshiping daily and worshiping with your Christian friends on Sunday? And is your heart near and dear to the Father, not far away with worshiping Him just with lip service while your heart is distant? Are you practicing the daily disciplines? Are you keeping an undivided heart, a humble heart, a pure heart, so that when the opportunities come in your life, in our pagan culture, 
to honor the true and living king, will you be prepared? Peter told his listeners to sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart and be prepared always to give an answer to any man that asks a reason of the hope that is within you, yet with the gentleness and reverence. Be prepared always. You're listening to Devotion with Dr. Papa. If you enjoy this, I hope that you would follow, like, or share. That's really the only way that I can measure my listening audience. If you follow, like, or share. Please tell your friends about Devotions with Dr. Papa, and I pray that the Lord will bless you real good. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.